Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be talking about what to read in February at the top of a new month. We also, as promised, are getting back to our regular format. So we're going to have some backlist books for you, a little bit of what we've been reading, a little bit of literary news that we have come across. And also, I have got what I will be contributing to some of Gail's prompts so that we can come up with our own. We'll have a readerly report challenge here. So let's get started. What have you been reading since the last time we spoke? I finished two of the books that we had, I had talked about on the show. Um, I finished Uncanny Valley, which is the memoir by Anna Wiener about her time working for some startup companies in Silicon Valley. Um, And I had a very similar reaction, I think, to you, Mm -hmm. which was that I loved the first half. I thought the first half was perfection. And I love her writing. And um, I was, like, jealous the whole time that I can't write like her. And then um, I agree with you that the second half got a little bit meandering. And I think you said it got whiny. um, Or I don't remember what the word you used was. But it did just get a little, it kind of went off the rails a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like she moves to a company, which is, she doesn't mention the name of the company, but it's GitHub, mm-hmm. which is a company that allows for the sharing of open source software. And I don't know, like she just kind of gets, her complaints become more nonspecific and she gets a little philosophical. Just general workplace things that I think are less tech specific, just some more, I don't know. I just felt like she did, there was just more ennui about her life in general. Yeah. Whereas maybe she was more analytical or just looking more deeply into her experience earlier on. And then I think by the end it was just general, I don't like my job, you know, I don't like things. And it, it, yeah, like you said, my late twenties and I'm floating along and I don't really know what I'm doing. Right. Right. I mean, the parts of the book that were more about the tech world, I just, I loved them because this is, it's in many ways reminiscent of where I work. I live in DC and I work for a tech company and I think it's very different being not in in San Francisco and working in that sector because we don't, it's kind of a kinder, gentler version of tech companies. And so I don't, you know, I don't experience what she went through, certainly at like the data analytics company and what other sort of rumors of things were. So it, it wasn't like I was like, oh yeah, this is my life, but I just found it very, very interesting. And, um, I I just think her writing is incredible. I love the, just her descriptions and I marked so many passages just cause I was like, oh, that's just so eloquent. (laughs) So um, anyway, so I finished that and I also finished You Were There Too, which I was reading on, doing on audio, uh, for a book tour at the end of the month. And I think I, um, talked about that. It was fine. It was, I don't know. It, it was sort of, the ending was sort of overwrought and dramatic and a little silly. 
but this is the book about a woman who's married and she meets this man and she realizes the man that she meets has been in her dreams a lot since she was a kid. And she's like, this person has recurred in my dreams and I never knew who he was. And now she meets him in real life. And then it turns out he's been dreaming about her too. Hmm. So the question is, what does that mean? There's obviously an attraction there. They're wondering, is are they meant to be together? She's having some issues with her husband. And it kind of all comes together at the end with sort of a dramatic, a dramatic series of events that are, of course, quite coincidental. And I don't know. It was it was light and it was a good audio read, but like I can't say it was gonna be like one of the top reads of the year, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Would you so say that done. it was rooted in magical realism? No, I wouldn't. I mean, there's this phenomenon of their dreams and they're trying to figure out what they mean, but it's not like anything that happens in the book is unbelievable okay, or is unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, that question isn't really resolved at the end. Like, and so you can say there is magical realism because- there is certainly something happening with their dreams that's making them find each other there. But I wouldn't say the book is magical realism, no. Okay. I would call it um, women's fiction. <laughs> You're contemporary like, fiction. <laughs> there's, there's I don't mean to sound dismissive. Solution to this, yeah. it's women's fiction. Yeah. I mean, I I'm not trying to sound dismissive of it. It just, I don't know. It wasn't like, it was fine. And I okay. did it for a blog tour, so I'm going to have to feel pretty... I'm going to probably write something pretty um, positive about it because I feel bad when I do a blog tour, like dissing the book. Uh, I don't know. It comes out in a couple weeks. So I'm going to be actually, maybe it already came out. Um, I'm going to be curious to see what, what people say about it. Okay. And then as far as what I've picked up, just to preview, I just started Cactus League, which is the book that was recommended to us by J. Ryan Straddle when he was on the show about baseball. And I can tell already that I'm going to love it. And it's, I don't know, it's similar to this book that I want to write. Like I've had this book in my mind that I want to want to write at some point in my life, which of course I never will, but it's very similar to that. So I'm like equal parts furious that she got to, got to it first. And also just with a lot of admiration because I think it's really good. Oh, we'll be ready for another one by the time you get your life together and write it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And then you still and have then, to write that that children's series, that update of the right. children's series. The ap- adaptation of All of a Kind Family. And then I started on Audio Dear Edward, which is a big, big book of the f- winter. So hmm. I can, I'll report back on that one too. So I asked Gail about her book club picks. Because we are getting together our list of book club picks for the Readerly Report this year. And I think Dear Edward was on your list. Oh, it was on my list? I think you said Dear Edward, a Rachel Kushner book. Not Rachel Kushner. Oh, the Mars Room. Mars Room. Is, Is that her name, Rachel Kushner? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. So I think you said Dear Edward, the Mars Room, and there was one other all right, well, I'll, I'll substitute out De- Dear Edward if I'm reading it now, then. I forgot that I had recommended it for that. I'm sure I can find something else. Oh, so you don't you don't think it's book oh. club worthy? Oh, no, I didn't know if you wanted me to wait until we were reading it together. Oh, no. Oh, okay. No, no, no. We can make it one of our early picks, too. 
Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm so, I'm so just only maybe 25 pages in, so I can't tell yet whether it'd be book club worthy, but I think so. Okay. So you said Dear Edward, The Mars Room and Prairie Fever. So those are Gail's, our first sort of half year picks for Gail. And then um, we're reading Ninth House. And I think we're going to discuss Such a Fun Age. Yep. And probably something else. Okay. So I am, I just finished listening to Say Nothing. I I probably mentioned in October, November, I had started Say Nothing it's the true story of murder and memory in Northern Ireland. It is about a widowed mother of 10 named Jean McConville, who was abducted one night from her children and, and disappeared like her children. They never knew what happened to her. She never came home. Of course there, after a while, there was some expectation that she had been caught up in, something involving the IRA. It details that disappearance and it juxtaposes it to the very specific people, I would say, in the IRA. Some leaders, you know, it talks a lot about Jerry Adams, Brian Hughes, Dolores Price, and Marion Price. Like these two sisters were kind of famous for being in the IRA and for their exploits. And so it talks about the structure of the IRA some of the crimes that are committed, Jean McConville's disappearance being just one of many people who disappeared in what they termed the troubles. It asks the question of whether this violence is, has it been worthwhile? A lot of what is executed during this time in order to have an independent Ireland. When eventually, I guess some of the major players got involved in the peace process and in the political process. So what was the cost of all of that violence and was it necessary? And what did happen to Jean McConville? So this book was on many, many lists at the end of the year in terms of being a best book. I think that is very well deserved. It's, it's really engaging. You know, I feel like it's one of those books where you do get a very clear picture of why people would become involved in the IRA, what the politics were, different things that they were involved in, in terms of hunger strikes, the bombings, like what was the rationale behind this? And also like the cost of all this, because Jean McConville, her children grow up without her, of course, and that leads to some dire consequences, which are discussed in the book. You just get a real, there's one point in the book that I was thinking, you know, they talk about Jerry Adams, who's very interesting because he he's always denied being involved with the IRA, but, you know, from people's recollections or whatever, he clearly was. And just thinking of him in terms of just being able to turn a switch and forget all that he had been before, you know, and you, and you think about, I don't know, it just brought to mind how our leaders, political leaders are often involved in sanctioning and sanctioning the deaths of other people, like large scale. I just really thought of it explicitly when I was reading this book. I listened to it on audio. The narrator is, the narrator does a really good job and I highly recommend this book. That book has been everywhere and people seem to love it. Yeah, he does a really good job. The author, Patrick Radden Keefe, he's written another book that sounds fascinating, which is about this Chinese woman who 
runs an undercover bank um, in New York, I believe, like an underground bank for Chinese people. Chinese immigrants come to her, you know, for help financing their projects. And, but she's also trafficking people, which is where I guess the bank really makes a lot of its money. So of course it's like, she's involved with the mob and other unsavory elements, but she manages to keep this going. Like no one is able to bring her down. Hmm. And I think until I think she was importing a boatload of people and they ran aground maybe somewhere off the coast of Queens. And I think that's what finally got the ball rolling in her demise. And so I was looking up other books that he had written because I really like this one. And I think that one had sort of, been on my radar. It's called The Snakehead. Uh, it came out in 2009. So I'm sure I, I had heard of it before. I finally read one of his books and I'm definitely, I want to go back and read that one. Maybe I'll do it on audio as well. Hmm, okay. That was the majority of what I spent my time finishing up. Right now I am, I'm reading that book of essays that I think I had pitched to you for book club and you shot me down. Trick Mirror by Gia, Gia <laughs> Tolentino. It's so funny because I think you would really like this. <laughs> I mean, it's Sorry. all about modern <laughs> culture. It's all about, it's not, I won't say it's all about tech, but she talks about her literary her heroines and, and how she's thought of them and, you know, what it says about women and, and our place in the world today. She has one that's on reality t reality TV me, which just reminded me of you in The Bachelor. You know, she's talking about this teenage reality show that she participated in. She has this essay called The Eye in the Internet, you know, just which talks about people's online presences and how we, how that's just basically how all of our internet things have shaped our lives. All the essays have been really good, really thought-provoking, and just, I think, aware and cognizant of just the double nature of the lives that most of us are living in terms of whether it's tech or whether it's television or whether it's politics, like what's shaping us and what who we say we are, who we really are. It's really good. I see why so many people have raved about this. I'm so, um, I think I read like half of it in one day. Wow. And then I'm also reading this book called Small <clears throat> Silent Things by Robin Page. It's fiction. It's about this woman who seems like she's going through a little unmooring in her life. Her mother has just died. And even though she does not like her mother, she didn't have a good relationship with her mother. This death has sent her reeling and she decides to take up tennis and she becomes involved with one of her neighbors who is haunted by his own ghost. Like he was a part of the Rwandan crisis and he lost his family um, as a part of that. And he has been contacted by a woman who is saying that she is his long lost daughter from about 20 years ago. And it's just about, I guess they're both of them being unmoored and unsettled by these major events in their lives and how their relationships develops. And so far that's really good. So, okay. Let's turn our attention to a little bit of book news. I'm always discovering new things that are going to be made into movies or they're coming to my attention. Mm -hmm. And what's in 
production right now, it's getting its producers and its writers together, is a book that you might have read, Gail, The Expatriates by Y.K. Lee. I did not read it. Did you, did you, re- you read The Piano Teacher, right? Mm-mm. I never read I thought you had one read one of her books. Hmm. Okay. I was hoping you could shed some light on that, but I guess I'm going to have to read the book. It sounds really interesting. I mean, I was just in Hong Kong in May last year, May, June of last year. And so it's about a bunch of expatriates who have a very tight knit community and their adventures in Hong Kong. Uh, Amazon is making that. It's in production. They have got their writers and uh, their director set. And I think Nicole Kidman is going to be, of course, Nicole Kidman is going to be in it. She's in every like book adapted thing now. My husband lived in Hong Kong as an expat for at least a year. So I bet he will be excited to watch that show. Is it a, is it a series or a movie? It's going to be a series. Oh, yeah. The buzz continues around. Gosh, what is that show? I haven't read the book yet. You didn't like it. Celeste Ames. Oh, yeah. Uh, Little Fires Everywhere. Little Fires Everywhere. Another trailer has been released that goes into much more detail than what we may have mentioned before. My cat is like missing another (laughs) cat. (laughs) So sad. Yeah, so they've released another trailer for that. It's coming out March 18th. So I, I have to get on that. I have to get that in the rotation somehow. I wish that I was excited about that, but I'm not. <laughs> I just, I'm just not. I don't know. Maybe and they I know will clean up all the things that you didn't like. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hard when you don't like the underlying. If you don't like the underlying story, I mean, I don't like how the underlying aren't story they was told. So different. Which? What is so different? The ad- adaptation and the actual source material. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on how faithful they are to it. I mean, um, yeah. Big Little Lies seemed like it was pretty faithful. Um, Big Little Lies. Yeah, I didn't read Big Little Lies. So for me, it was all oh, yeah, new. that's right. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I'll give this one a chance. I mean, it's got a good pedigree, obviously. So, I, you know, maybe I'll give it a chance and see if it's if it's different enough from the book that it might be good on its own. But yeah. So not- I haven't watched the second longer longer trailer because I want to read the book first because you know I'm not you know I see Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington I'm just not sure at all how they even you know who they're supposed to play they're dressed so differently you know like Reese is like long flowing classic dress and Carrie Washington is in like black jeans and a black top and they just it just looks like there's such an interesting dynamic going on there that I'm it's just it's driving my curiosity. Yeah. So finally, Jane Austen, her unfinished book, Sanditon, is now airing on PBS. You know, presumably they have finished it. And so if you're into period pieces, there is a Jane Austen period piece that you can catch up now, probably on PBS.org. And then I think it is an eight episode series. I've watched like four of the episodes. Yeah, I've been seeing news about that recently. I've watched half of it. And I mean, it's different in the fact that they're exploring issues of race because there is a Jamaican. Now, she, she, I don't know if she's Jamaican, but she's an heiress from the West Indies who basically has a guardian. Her father has died. I think she has a white father and she had a black mother, but her father has died 
has left her a fortune and has left her in the guardianship of, he's not aristocracy, but he's just a very well-connected gentleman and whose family is trying to bring this Sanditon, which is sort of, I guess you would say it's like Bath. It's like one of those beach towns that he's trying to make a thing. So it's all about the inhabitants and the goings on there as they try to make this into a well-known resort. And so it's a story about brothers, but it's also this other subtext of race and how it would have been viewed in Jane Austen's time that I think is the more interesting thing about it. I mean, so far it just, it's really in terms of who you expect will get together. I don't know. It just feels like it's rather basic. You know, it's got several familiar Jane Austen plots, you know, like the people who are plotting for a fortune and, who are in competition with each other. And then you've got sort of like the good and the naive young woman who is visiting and looks like she's drawn to the arrogant brother. I don't know. It seems like a mashup of lots of Jane Austen stories. And I can't say that anything has just made it particularly thrilling to finish, but we'll see. Yeah. It's on some issues that the classic Jane Austen books don't. So that's kind of an interesting update for this you know, this century. Well, no, that was part of what she had started writing. Like, I think she was probably interested in West Indians in London or. Right. No, but I'm saying that it's, it's different from like, that wasn't in Pride and Prejudice. So like, it's interesting to see a different dimension of her. Right. I think this was probably one of the last books that she wrote on before she died. Mm-hmm. So I think it was the one that she, so maybe it was, this was just burgeoning in her consciousness and she never got to finish it. Why don't we shift now to taking a look at February? What caught your eye? Sure. Well, we just did a winter book preview. So I was looking for a few that we had not mentioned for our winter book preview that are coming out in February, but I found a few that are getting attention already that we didn't cover. So um, the first one is the Sundown Motel which I have seen people swapping left and right online. So it seems like there's a a strong interest in this book. And it is apparently a creepy and unpredictable book about a random roadside motel that one of the main characters stops at or stays at, and it finds out that there's a whole bunch of secrets there. So this book is by Simone St. James. It has a very creepy looking cover. And it seems to be getting a lot of buzz. Have you heard anything about this book? Mm-mm. What's the name again? The Sundown Motel by Simone St. James. It oh, already wait. Has- I think that's one of those that I would recognize the cover. Yeah. I kind of looked at like that. It's got like this old-fashioned yeah. looking postcardy 50s vibe to it. And it takes place in the 80s. And, um, it's a town, a little town in New York and it has this motel. So it's all about like the backstories of like who's staying there and it says atmospheric suspense novel. That, that had crossed my attention. It's so funny because the front of this motel, I just started watching. I watched one episode of Bates Motel last night mm-hmm. and the signage is similar. Which- yeah. I mean, it's sort of that classic looking like it looks kind of creepy and run down, but it was probably once like a nice place. Right. That is my first one. It comes out on February 18th. 
getting good, pretty good reviews on Goodreads, like four and five stars. And like I said, people are swapping this left and right online. So must be lots of interest. I read a couple of years ago, I read a novel by Sarah Pinborough. It was called Behind Her Eyes. It was really buzzy at the time. It was known for its twist at the end, which I can only vaguely remember now, but I really enjoyed that book. And I think she's had other novel, another novel come out since, but her new novel is called Dead to Her. It's one of those wife novels where this guy has married, he's married well, and his boss brings back a wife when he goes on a trip to London. And she is not what everyone expects. Instead, you know, she's sexy, she's drop dead gorgeous, but she's also black. And somehow that plays a part in this plot where it says revenge is best served cold and it's set in Savannah. So in the steamy Savannah heat, blood runs so hot that this summer it might just boil over into murder. She has a very interesting perspective from when I read her novel behind her eyes. The twist was really interesting. So I'm kind of curious about this. Sounds dark and I just read the Lisa Jewell novel. It says for fans of Liv Constantine, Leanne Moriarty, and Lisa Jewell, twisty psychological thriller. Was that the about Lisa Jewell book that I gave you from Book Expert? Yeah. About a savvy second wife who will do almost anything to come out on top. So that's out February 11th. My next one is called Minor Dramas and Other Catastrophes by Kathleen West. And this is a this is according to Goodreads, a wry and cleverly observed debut novel about the privileged bubble that is Liston Heights High. So it's about a high school. The micromanaging parents, the overworked teachers, and the students caught in the middle, and the fallout for each of them when the bubble finally bursts. This is a high school book. It says it's good for fans of Where'd You Go, Bernadette, which you know for me is a big turnoff, and small admissions. But uh, I think I would, I could get past that and give this one a try. It says, um, it says there's a secret Facebook gossip, gossip site that's stirring up trouble for this tumultuous fractured school community. This sounds kind of fun. And this is also getting good reviews on Goodreads and it comes out on the 4th of February. My next book is called Scratched. The subtitle is A Memoir of Perfectionism. It is a memoir. This is one that I was going to mention on the winter preview because I just found it really intriguing. This woman is born, she's born in DC in the 1950s. And I guess she says that she's recounting her mother's story in this sense when she says that her mother shocks everyone. She shocks all of her nurses when she will not hold her child. So she goes back and forth between like what her mother did and and her mother's perfectionism and how it influenced her life. And she says, she's done all of these things. She says that between when she was 27 and 37, she published five literary books with Kanaf and her short stories appear in the New Yorker. And then she doesn't write again for 22 years. So I think she's trying to make the, uh, the, comparison between growing up with her mother, how that it affected her and her drive, and then just the difference in when she stops and, and what that means for her life. It just seems wow. so fascinating. It does seem fascinating. 
So I guess she doesn't write, but then she she gets a coveted teaching job at Stanford. So, hmm. and the surface, the cover. If one of our reading prompts for our challenge is menace, this cover, <laughs> it's like there's scratches on it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it's like you scratch, and underneath you see like I don't know. That might be my menace book. Got it. Anything broken on it, or just the scratches? No, it's just these like random gouges and scratches. Got it. <laughs> in red. Yeah, that's pretty unsettling <laughs> to look at. The last one that I have for February is a book by an author I've read already. This is called Antidote for Everything by Kimmery Martin. Now, I read her first book, Queen of Hearts. I did not love it, but I've heard some buzz about this one too. And Kimmery Martin writes about books about doctors. And so there's usually a medical element to it, um, although there's that tends to not necessarily be what's at the center of the story. It's sort of more drama. But this is about two doctors and one of they're very good friends. And I think one of them is gay and he is told he cannot treat a transgender patient or he treats a transgender patient and then he ends up losing his job. So there's kind of some medical ethics involved in this one. The first one that I read by her was just sort of like a gossipy love story type book set in a, in a hospital setting. But this one sounds like it's got a little more, this kind of ethical uh, angle to it as well. So um, I've heard people talking about this one too. This comes out February 20th. My last book is called A Black Woman's History of the United States. It's by Dana Ramey Berry and Callie Nicole Gross. And I've actually read the introduction to this book and they talk a lot about how they are different. Like one is from the West Indies. One is, I think, from somewhere in the South. And they just talk about the different educational paths that they have taken, what they've experienced being black women who study history and finding black women in history and finding their perspectives in history. So they wind up finally teaching at the same institution and having these conversations about some of the challenges they face, you know, some of the invisibility they face and the questioning of their scholarship and their chosen their chosen field to study, which is black women in history. And they find out that Beacon Press has been doing a series called Revisioning History. And, you know, they had already be, been in discussions about writing this book together. And so they had the opportunity to do that. It says it reaches far beyond a single narrative to showcase black women's lives and all their fraught complexities. I've done a lot of reading, I think, over the past year. Like I've read some things that have really made me more interested in in the history of black women and just um, sociological thought or around the black family. I think I read, I mentioned reading Emily Bernard's Black is the Body. And I also read Tressie McMillan Cotton's Heavy, which I think was one of the nonfiction books nominated for is it a Pulitzer or maybe the Nobel? I don't know. I can't remember now which which literary prize that she was up for. I'm interested to read this. And it is out on February 4th. Um, I have to ask you about something that I found when I was researching this episode. There's a book coming out called The Other Bennett Sister by Janice Hadlow. And it's all about Mary. <laughs> 
<laughs> so this is different from the one that you and I read that was also all about Mary. Have you heard anything about this one? I think I flagged it somewhere because it's coming out in the next in, few yeah, months. coming out in February. Yeah. It comes February, out. February, yeah. It was on, on the massive list of books that I had to narrow down. Oh, sorry, down. March 31st. So it comes out yeah, later. But March, like, yeah. Haven't we already read this book? I mean, it's just so interesting that um, like there's another book with these same... But maybe it'll be more serious. I mean, the one that we read certainly modernized the story, certainly got into some satire. Maybe this will be more palatable yeah, to Mary right, right. Jane maybe Austen fans. The rest of it. <laughs> like maybe it won't be as yeah. irreverent <laughs> as yeah. the one well, we read. Maybe we should read this one too and, and do a comparison. Let's see what it says about... It says, ultimately, Mary's journey is like that taken by every Austin heroine. She has to learn she can only expect joy when she has accepted who she really is. She must throw off the false expectations and wrong ideas that have combined to obscure her true nature and prevented her from what makes her happy. To me, it sounds like that means that she's gay. I don't know. Hmm. Well, someone, someone wrote about it, that they reviewed it, they loved it. Mary Bennett finally gets a happy ending and it feels genuine without changing her character. After all, there's a lid for every pot. So it sounds like it might hew more closely to the world of Pride and Pride. It's 480 yeah, it pages. Really <laughs> <laughs> but it's also by, it's on Henry Holt. So it's probably yeah. sort of literary. All right. I think somebody needs to read this and report back. <laughs> now it w went from both of us <laughs> to someone. <laughs> so finally, for our show today, oh my gosh, we're still not going to get to backlist books because I have to go. But I wanted to share some of the prompts that I'm thinking about that Gail and I are going to combine. I don't know how many books do you think should be in our challenge? Uh, well, let's see. I have twelve. So you want to add another twelve? People can kind of pick and okay. choose. I think that sounds yeah. reasonable for listeners of the Readerly Report. We like to imagine that you read a couple of yeah. books a month. Or maybe even a couple more than that so that you can read approximately two month books a month. So some of the things that I've been thinking about, and we're going to publish this soon, is so a book, a book whose cover is The Harbinger <laughs> of Menace. <laughs> I've already told you what mine is, that memoir about perfectionism. Um, I said a book by an author that will make you a completist. So, and I guess in that case, you could even, you could even say debut novel for that. <laughs> That's an easy way out of that one. If, if you get a little desperate, we'll allow it. A reread of a classic you've never reread. A novel by a male author, a campus novel, which I think, Gail, did you say you had a high school one? But I don't know if that had a campus. So. Was no, that boarding so. school? The minor catastrophes. And a book by an author you've only read once before. These are great. So yeah, I've been thinking about things that I really enjoy reading so, to, to do something like that. Like, what do I really enjoy? 
This one I'm thinking about. It might not show up on the challenge. I really want to read one, but I have to take a look at the books that will fit this to see if it will be broad enough that'll make people happy. But I said a book within a book. Say that again. A book within a book? A book within a book. I love those. Books about books. It, it Maybe I'll make it a book within a book, or maybe I'll change that to a book about a writer or a, bu- a book about someone who's writing a book. Nice. I think is a little bit broader. These are great. I like that we both have, for this year, come up with categories of just things we really want to read as opposed to things that are going to make us well-rounded. Yeah. Right. Cool. I mean, and too, within these prompts, I'm sure you can be well, yes. well-rounded if you yeah, want to no, be. I mean, but <laughs> where the goal is not necessarily to be well-rounded. The goal, the well-roundedness is a byproduct of picking good books. Yeah. We just really want to enjoy the books. So on that note, We'll leave you to think about reading some of the books that we've mentioned in this episode. And we will be back next week with, I don't know, we'll have to think of something, something good and tantalizing. Paper. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking that we haven't done paperbacks in a while. People can go off on their spring breaks. Let's do some new paperbacks and let's also do our discussion of such a fun age and. We kind of got into Uncanny Valley a little. I don't know that there will be more to say about that, but let's let's talk about such Perfect. a fun age next week. Sounds good. All right. Well, until then, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at nicolebonia.com me, Gail, at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.